What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Keep the Kayfabe. Um, I'm Mike, and I'm here with my buddies. What's going on, Steve? Hey, yo. <laughs> What's up, Matt? How you doing, man? Oh, yeah. Damn, you guys are bringing the heat tonight. Probably because we're talking about the greatest baby faces of all times, spanning uh, different decades, and we're going to talk about what makes a great baby face, who did it the best, why they did it the best, and we'll just see where the conversation goes from there because I think this is going to be a lot of fun, boys. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a blast. And we'll have to keep track of how many times I bust out the macho man tonight. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's two for those keeping track. <laughs> it's that <laughs> new theme someone... music. It's that new theme music that has you all pumped up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, dude, I just served you a meatball to do another. Oh yeah, man. <sighs> That's all right. I don't. I don't want to wear it out too quickly. We'll. We'll. Yeah. We'll put them in here when it you least expect. It gets taxing if you do it too often. Yeah. Yes. It'll exhaust Sounds you. good. All right. So if anybody doesn't know what a baby face is, I don't know why you would be listening to this podcast unless yeah. you're friends and family. But a baby face is booked as the hero or the the good guy who is supposed to win like the heel is obviously the opposite the villain the baby face is the baby face someone you want to love and like so we're going to go over um our favorite baby faces or some of the best we'll start in the 80s anybody want to kick it off i'd be happy to um i'm going to go so okay i'm going to break the rules with um and and pick a, a faction because mm. you can't single out any one member of this. But in the like 80s, it. how about the Von Erics? I mean, yeah. they were like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like the, you know, the waning days of the uh, the territory era. And those dudes were like freaking money in Texas. And oh. then, I mean, of course, you can't have great baby faces without just stellar heels. And that was, yeah, you know, great the, point. The Von, Eric, the Von Erics and the Freebirds just yep. tore it up, you know, tens of thousands of people watching them in texas and uh you know we all know the tragic way that <laughs> all but one of the von eric's story ended but, so um, sad man those guys were so money and uh, right? you know i mean you know, i was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about um carrie von eric and like if he would have kind of had his head on straight by the time of it vince may well have made him the next guy when he popped yep. over in wwe um, oh, the Texas Tornado. Yeah, they were white hot. I mean, I've watched their documentary, you know, several times, actually. Yeah. I mean, pe- the women would just, like, demolish oh, yeah. them on the way to the ring. That's like yeah. they were getting so much action before they even wrestled a match. But, yeah, people, they were white hot. And, um, yeah, the wrestling family. And it, if you haven't seen the Von Erich documentary, I – I strongly suggest it. I mean, they did cover it in Dark Side of the Ring too. Uh, season they did one, right? So dark, that's another. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. And the WWE Network has a, has a. That's what one yep. you mean. That's a good one. They talked to like some really 
good sources like uh, Michael Hayes and uh, yeah, um, Gary Hart and stuff. So yeah, it's and you know it's like they were so money, the family was so big that even like some of the uh, I remember I forget his name Mike. It was like the youngest son. He wasn't really all that athletic. Yes. But he still yeah. like was over because he was a Von Erich. I mean, that just shows you that like the mainstay oh, yeah. that that family was. And, they ran uh, that town. So for those of you who don't know a lot about 80s pro wrestling like me, uh, <laughs> one of the guys, so the Von Erichs were a popular tag team in the 80s. And Steve, you mentioned the Freebirds. The Freebirds were sort of the rivals of the Von Erichs. And to give you an idea, the Freebirds, I think that was Michael Hayes, and one other guy, is that right? Well, the Freebirds were, the original Freebirds were Buddy Rogers, um, Michael Hayes, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. And then and, as, we, as we crept into the 90s, uh, Jimmy Jam Garvin joined the team as well as like the, the honorary fourth uh, Freebird. And he went into the Hall of Fame in the WWE as a Freebird too. And might I add, the Freebirds are the first like faction to ever, or wrestlers in general to use music Actually yes. made their way to the ring, <clears throat> which is like so, so revolutionary. And I mean, just so much a part of wrestling is like the intro. So yeah, no, it was, give- yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know if you guys knew this, just a little trivia, but uh, when, when Carrie Von Erich went to the WWE to, uh, as the Texas tornado, and they had him beat um, Mr. Perfect for the intercontinental title. At that point in his career, he was missing a foot. And he still was wrestling. Yeah, he lost his foot in a, in a motorcycle accident. I think because he was out for, and he actually hit it. Not everybody, like very few people in WWE, even knew because he would shower with his boots on, like to Dude. hide it. It was such this pride thing. But he wrestled that whole run with one foot. That's insane. So yeah. do you have like a wooden insert in there? I or think a there's something. Or yeah, something? he had something in his boot, and you know yeah. he wasn't quite as mobile or athletic in the, his WWE run. But I mean, I was a, I remember, I remember him as a kid when he debuted on like Tuesday and or Saturday night's main event he debuted. And I didn't know he was, I mean, I didn't know that until recently. Damn. Damn. So yeah, Von Eriks, man. Good call, Steve. I love it. Matt, you got one for us, bud? Oh yeah, I got one. Oh yeah, buddy. And shockingly, it, it's not the macho man. Um, So <laughs> I'm actually going to, for those of you who have listened to other episodes of this podcast, this will come as no shock to anyone, uh, especially with our focus on the 80s. But as you all know, the Ultimate Warrior in the late 80s, early 90s was my guy. Um, And what made Mm -hmm. him unique, I think, of all the baby faces that were out there, uh, his, his matches were not anything great. And I really realize that now, especially going back on WWE Network, watching matches from back in the day. But I think what was really interesting is he actually beat Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania and became a double champion before being a double champion was even cool, right? Like, I feel like it's a dime a dozen right now if you watch main roster WWE. But at the time, it was very rare, um, unoccasional, didn't happen at all. So, you know, to me, that was like, the the biggest moment in my childhood when it comes to pro wrestling was that moment. Um, Now, despite all that, I feel like to this day, you know, even you look back and especially at that time, Hulk Hogan was the guy. And, you know, obviously I'm sure he needs to be an honorable mention from us. Um, He's almost like in a level above. He was going to be mine, but I have a backup for the 80s. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. 
so yeah so the ultimate warrior hogan i mean you know wwe was willing to put him on that level with hogan put him over at wrestlemania which is a huge deal so you know obviously you can't really talk about 80s pro wrestling without the ultimate warrior i think that's a completely legitimate choice we know now what we didn't know as kids and as kids i think most of us were just mesmerized by that character and how like he was larger than life. So you can't take that away from the moment. Like, you know, when I was a kid then, I didn't realize that he sucked or that he was kind of a jerk, but it didn't matter. Oh, I hear he's a huge asshole. JR can't stand him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard his Um, podcast, yeah. He, uh, and the Ultimate Warrior was one of those guys for me too, where, like you said, Steve, just mesmerized. Like when that music hits and he runs out and the, the face paint, the colors, yeah, I mean, he was he was up there for me as well. So I had Hulk Hogan as the baby face of all baby faces in the eighties, and he probably is. I mean, wrestling pretty hard to top. Wouldn't be wrestling without Hulk Hogan. So we owe him a major debt. Was he the greatest wrestler? No, Didn't but he he told a story and he had a, a such a grip on the crowd that. It's it's literally a phenomenon. I mean, you could go all over the world and people are going to know who Hulk Hogan is if they didn't even speak English. And you would Still. know who Andre the Giant is because of the, like, with the rivalry. Everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is. Everybody knows who Andre the Giant is. The guy is pretty much the go-to baby faces in the 80s. But one guy that I did want to mention as my um, uh, top baby face, too, Kind of a dark horse, but Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Mm. I think he never really got enough credit for the matches that he had with Ric Flair. Plus, during the 80s, Bruce Lee was so hot, and, like, Bruce Lee's bod was just, like, cut. Ricky's was cut. He was a good-looking guy. No better arm drag in the wrestling game than Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, in my opinion. But he would wrestle, you know, six, seven days, eight days a week, hour-long matches with Ric Flair. Woo! One of the greatest of all time, mostly heels. But, I mean, Steamboat was the fucking shit. Like, he didn't, he didn't, you just knew what you were getting every time you were, you were, you watched him. And when he, when you would watch him, you would just be like mesmerized. So yeah, he was one of my favorites growing up, and I and, think and, he's a great baby face to mention. And Ric Flair has cited him as his greatest opponent of all time. Yeah, I mean, that, what does that? I say? mean, they would they would choreograph like seventy different spots for an hour long match, and Ricky would like know exactly where everything was at all times because you know yeah. Rick was getting shit house hammered all the time. And, Never. Uh, Never a heel his whole career either. That's what I mean. Like, that's why I wanted to bring him up. Yeah. Like, he, he never, he is like a baby face. You never hated him. And then he would bring his little kid down to the ring. And yeah. He had his fat little cheeks and he put him with the headband and the, and the, uh, the gi for the karate gi. And his wife came out too. And I mean, she wasn't all that hot, but you know, he was a family man. You got, you got to fall in love with him. Bonnie. Yes, Steve. And I heard <laughs> when he would, when he would, um, drink the 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 uh stuff oh when he, he, would when he spit did the out. flame yeah he said he hated that because then his mouth the first like he would have to wrestle with that yeah. taste in his mouth the whole match and he was just like i just wanted to drink like a whole bunch of water so i i hated doing that fire bit but you know as a kid you know fire breathers cool in a costume it was cool as shit right yeah yeah 
Ricky, the, Ricky, the arm dragon steamboat. Um, <laughs> yeah, it actually took me quite a while to actually watch any of his matches. When I was younger, I just, for whatever reason, missed them. Um, but of course, once I really started to get back into wrestling over the last few years, one of the first things I heard from people is, oh, you've seen Steamboat versus Flair, right? Um, so one of the first things I did, and to our listeners out there, if you haven't seen a lot of Ricky Steamboat's matches or any of them for that matter, go on WWE Network and find Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. There's a trilogy of matches that they wrestled in the late 80s. Yes. And the work rate of those matches is yes. comparable to, if not more intense than a lot of matches you see now in the modern era. Like yeah. to this day, these thousand percent are incredible, and they're and long. That's they were... and really wonder how Ric Flair, like the level of conditioning Ric Flair had, just blows my mind. I mean, you see him now, and right. he's a feeble old man. At least he comes across that way. But back in the day, there's a reason they say he was one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and he was having so much sex, and doing so much drugs and drinking and then he would go out and do those matches plus the travel and you'd be drunk driving to travel like i don't know how they did it back in the day it's it's beyond me didn't they train together steve ricky the dragon steamboat and flair in minnesota from who was like the the guy in minnesota yes yes i think they both trained under gagne and um there's a third flair's 30 for 30 goes into that training yeah i feel and like pretty Flair sure. is, wasn't he from minnesota yes mm-hmm. what was his real name i can't remember richard flair there it is that's and one. uh and um the professor steve grabby steamboat's like something like um i'm gonna look it up in a second but it was like richard youngblood or some like actually a pretty badass name if i were i'm gonna look <laughs> doesn't up. surprise yeah. me i mean look at that wife that he hooked with that <laughs> She was Great kind of hair. a problem for his career, though. She yeah. got super demanding, and she kind of like she was, she made him difficult to work with because she was difficult to work with. Ooh, Bonnie, yeah. So it sounds like she was arm dragging him around. Yeah, Richard Henry uh, Blood. That was uh, that was Steamboat's name. He has this badass heel name, and he was one of the best. <laughs> faces of all time and for whatever reason vince decided not to just let him use his real name yeah, there's a story there and i don't remember it so i'm not going to attempt to butcher it but i heard it on a podcast once as something with that with his name but yeah we'll have to look into it well let's move along to the 90s and uh pick out our favorite uh baby faces from the 90s a, a, a decade that is one of my favorites yep. i mean we um steve do you want to lead us off yeah, you know, I got four listed, but I'm just going to pick one, and I'm going to pick the Stinger. Because, yes, uh, absolutely. You know, early 90s, he was carrying the torch for WCW with the surfer yes. gimmick. And then as we moved into the Nitro era, mm-hmm. he, um, he was a face the whole time. And then, of course, uh, WCW uh, let him down and treated him like shit and then thought he betrayed them when he didn't. So then he went turned into Crow Sting. And then mm-hmm. became the number one face of the uh, of wrestling because that was right. when WCW was on top. But um, yeah, I mean another guy. I think I feel like uh, maybe in the stupid um, Vince Russo era they tried to make him a, a, a heel and it didn't work. And I mm-hmm. feel like maybe TNA had like a flirt where they tried to make him a heel. Otherwise, his entire career he was a good guy. And he um, yes. You know, when, when WCW was clawing, uh, clawing their way through, like, rough times, he was the um, 
he was the face of the organization. And unlike, you know, like let's say the warrior and some other contemporaries of him, cause they used to be partners. Um, he, you know, he was this untapped talent, but if, I think through feuds with flair and stuff, that dude got legit good. And I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago about his feud with uh, Vader and that was, um, I mean, that was him kind of, that was when flair was gone and he was carrying the company. And I mean, he did it. And, um, yeah, he would have that, you know, that stinger comeback in matches where he would do the ow and yep. then, uh, start hulking up quote unquote. Yep. And, uh, yeah, man, he was, he's to this day, he's on my Mount Rushmore favorite wrestlers. Yeah, he he was uh, big for me in WCW. That was the guy I would watch every Saturday at church in the rec room. Sting is huge in my book. Great call, yeah. Steve. What do you got to add, Matt? Oh, man. So I had a list of just a bunch of guys from the 90s. So I, we've talked about this before. Obviously, you guys know a lot more about WCW than I do. So my mind immediately goes to WWE. That's what I knew at the time. Um one group, so to throw another faction out there, kind of similar yes. to earlier, um, one group that came to mind as we were talking about this was Degeneration X. And mm-hmm. it de- I guess it depends on what side of wrestling you were on. If you were in WCW, you hated DX because they were the guys who rolled up to Nitro during Monday Night Raw in a tank just mm-hmm. as an official kickoff to the Monday Night War and just to stir the pot. And that's all these guys would do. And if you are a little bit younger and haven't watched the attitude area or don't really know a lot about dx the names and the people in that faction i mean it's like they're almost legendary now like you have triple h which everybody knows who he is um and he was a baby face at the time which is just mind-blowing to me to think back on because the rest of his career he's been a heel so you he have him. started as a heel too as hunter Hearst helmsley like the blue blood remember when he was all snotty and snooty he did. Like, it was horrible gimmick. Like seriously, one of the worst gimmicks I've ever seen. Except for I believed it. The original Rocky he, uh, might be the only one I can compare to it. Well, and if you think that was bad, he uh, started off in WCW as Jean-Paul Levesque, and he was the yep. same snooty, uh, but he used an awful French accent as well. <laughs> Where, right? Wasn't he the Blue Bloods with uh, with, with Regal? Uh, Regal, yeah. Yeah, your boy. Yeah. yeah. I. I I think, wasn't he also, I think Triple H, when he first debuted in WCW, wasn't he, didn't he have a crazy name like Terra Rising? Or yes. Something like that? Yes. I don't remember which league it was, but that was his first name, yeah. Right, and, and I've heard that actually he got, he got over as that character a little bit, like sort of in the mid-card or the lower mid-card. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that and then because obviously they turned him into Jean-Paul Levesque afterwards and we all well we might not all know how that went and there's a reason for that um so you have Triple H and DX you have X-Pac aka the one two three kid aka Sean Waltman it just was an awesome baby face in early 90s yes loved him baby face i think so you have him you have the new age outlaws the road dog who's now one of the producers for wwe and billy gunn who's now an aew still wrestling Mm. to this day still unbelievable oh my god jack we saw saw him at starcast first of all he's like so tall compared to what you like what i would have ever imagined and he's ripped the shreds yeah he's huge he's like six nine at least right like he's really tall he's pretty tall Gave yeah. him enough credit for that. 
I know. Anyway. I, I don't know what height they bill him as, but yeah, if you see watch him on AEW, he just towers over everyone else, which back in the day in WWE, that wasn't the case because obviously it's the land of giants. Um, yeah. But so you have the New Age Outlaws, just an awesome tag team that just you couldn't help but laugh at when they would come out because their entrance was so entertaining. They were sort of, I would compare them to like the Enzo and Cass of their day <laughs> because they would just cut this awesome promo every time. They or the out. New Day. Like they, they, they would do their intro backstage kind of like the New Day does now. Yes. And everybody would go along with it. So yeah, they were kind of like the first to get that ball rolling. Yes. One of the first tag teams to get the crowd to recite Respond. every word of their promo. Um, so you have them and obviously one of the greats of all time, Shawn Michaels. So, yep. so this incredible faction of the nineties, again, if you're younger and you have you watched a lot of attitude era wrestling, quite frankly, the wrestling was meh. It was okay. A lot of the storylines though, like probably would offend most people today, but if that doesn't mind, if you don't mind that and it doesn't bother you, definitely entertaining. Go check it out. Yeah. Well, so they were they were like heels that you loved, and I only wrote one '90s wrestler down, and you know it's my boy, it's HBK. Even though he's the sexy boy, women love him, men want to be him. I, you would think he's a heel, but towards the end there, when he would do those matches with Bret Hart, uh, what was it, uh, WrestleMania 12, when he was with Jose Lothario for the Iron Man match. I mean, it was like Rocky versus, you know, uh, Apollo Creed kind of build status. He was the hero in that, for sure. And, I mean, he's been my favorite wrestler forever. He, he, he's my all-time fave. And just the intro, he had it all. I think a babyface has to have a great name, great look, being able to execute, great on the mic. He had it, he had it all. I mean, he's so entertaining. He, he wouldn't even – it's like he didn't even have to try. It was just so natural. I've never seen a more natural wrestler than I think Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So, to me, he's he was the baby face. I mean, he did play a heel with Diesel, you know, and talking crap about, you know, other guys and how women are just all into him. Well, you know what? I'm okay with that, Shawn, because I give you – like, I give it up to you, dude. So, yeah, HBK – baby face in the 90s for me yeah and i think for i totally get that that iron man match i did watch that later on in life and watching it um i never realized Shawn michaels had such a great amateur wrestling like repertoire like if you if you haven't seen this match from wrestlemania 12 the iron man match go back and watch it Shawn michaels is really well known for doing a lot of dramatic moments working up the crowd um these amazing entrances stuff like that but you watch the first 10 20 minutes of this iron man match i mean the moves he and bret hart exchange and just the chain wrestling they go through you start to realize wow there's a lot more to this guy than i even thought and that's saying a lot even at that time and they really hated each other too, Brett and Sean during that time. Like they oh, couldn't yeah. stand one another mm -hmm. as a, on a human level. I think right. they obviously respected themselves or one another as wrestlers because they wouldn't have been able to pull off those matches that they did. And we wouldn't be talking about the rivalry today, but at, on a human level, like they just did not, they, they were not copacetic. Right. Yeah. Good calls, 
guys, uh, do we have anything to slip in with the 90s or should we move to the 2000s? I mean, if we want to throw some extra names out that we don't have to spend any time on, I just wrote some, just some things. Yeah, go ahead. DDP. Yeah. Tommy Dreamer. Okay, nice. And the Steiners. Oh, yeah. The Steiner brothers are one of the best tag teams ever back then. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, DDP is one of those guys that still gives me hope that I can have a career in pro <laughs> It's not too late. No, mm-hmm. never too late. Yeah, DDP was on my list as well um, as, like, someone to bring up. But, um, yeah, I think we should move along to uh, 2000. Um, pretty kind of a crazy deck. I mean, we could go from 2000. I, I, all of my guys are kind of early 2000 because I kind of fell out of it a little bit. But, yeah. um yeah, who wants to start us off here? Yeah, so I'll kick it off. Um, I mean, I think the obvious answer for the 2000s would be John Cena, so I'm not going to go there because I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll touch on him at some point. Um, yeah, the early 2000s were interesting because I think leading up to like 2000, I would say 2002, you still had a lot of the wrestlers from the 90s that were red hot from the Attitude Era. And then after WCW folded and we started to see the invasion, there was just a lot of changing up of wrestlers from WCW. You saw new guys coming in to WWE. Um, but one guy that continued for whatever reason to still appear on TV all the time and still seems to pull that crap today was Shane McMahon. And he was like, I don't know if he was a face or not. I thought he was at the time because he would do the craziest stuff you can imagine. And people just loved watching him. So he's a heel, man. I, he's a know, McMahon. Call, call him what you want. He, you know, he had a good face run on SmackDown a few years ago. He, he goes back and forth. And, and at the time, I thought he I was a know. face. Well, a face, are you, are yes. You, uh, Mike, are you giving him a red card? I don't – well, I mean, DX, like, I I kind of broke the rules too. But, I mean, it's the – we can't call him a baby face. You can, he's a guy you can love to hate, right? Or you can love him. You can love him, but he's not a good guy, not no. a hero. But you know what? That, that's fair. So, okay, I'll throw out another one then. But I, I will mention right. Shane McMahon one more time. Is like, a, Yeah, love Shane McMahon. And shout out yeah. to Greg the Hammer Valentine for listening too, buddy. Good to hear Absolutely. from you, Greg. Yeah, Greg, you know, you know, I think the best way to describe what a face is is not what Greg the Hammer Valentine was. Precisely. So who's your other guy, Matt? Yeah, so my other guy, I'm going to go with the Hardy Boys, actually. Yeah, good Hardy. choice. Okay. Great. Yeah. And, and they're still wrestling today. Um, made a huge return at WrestleMania a few years ago. I was actually watching WrestleMania um, and my girlfriend was also on the couch, kind of sort of not paying attention. I had kind of like started to drift at the moment. Uh, and then they announced a surprise tag team for this ladder match and the Hardy Boys music. Oh, yeah. And immediately that was the shit. I, I remember literally jumping off the couch not too much maybe maybe six to 12 inches up off the couch (laughs) or just to grab the remote and turn it up because i heard the music and i'm like no that can't be um and i also hadn't followed ring of honor for a like at all so i wasn't aware that they were even still wrestling at this point um so to me this was a total surprise when they came back in i think it was 2016 2017 Everyone thought it was going to be the New Day that was going to be the – because they were just the MCs for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a major – hats off to WWE for actually doing something fun for the fans because that was awesome. 
Yeah, that, that was a major swerve. I was really confused. I seriously thought, well, why isn't the New Day just walking down? And it just kind of was awkward. But then when you heard the music, it, it was so yep. worth it. Party Boys are the shit. Ever. Big time. Love that pick, Matt. Way better than Shane McMahon. So, sorry yes. to dog you, but you know, you got you to gotta call it. You got to call it. That's right. I'll push the link. I think, I think if your last name is McMahon, even you, cannot, you can never be considered a face truly. <laughs> Fair point. Well, I kind of got a little Dark Horse uh, 2000 guy here. This is a guy that I really love to watch wrestle. He was never, like, I don't know. Like, he was so innovative, kind of the way Kevin Owens is innovative kind of as a big man. This is this is kind of like a guy for me. It was. Oh, my God. You, you, did you pick Chris Masters too? What? Did you, did you pick Chris Masters? I love him. Oh, I thought he was going with Eugene Dinsmore. Oh, dude, that would be so bad. No, I'm going with RVD. Oh, yes. Dude, RVD is great. He had so many good moves. Again, as a babyface, he's got a gimmick. I'm I'm pointing, you know, I'm doing the thumbs. The rest of the Mr. boys Monday have the night. thumbs already. Mr. Monday Night, it's me, it's RVD. And when he would hit that frog splash and pretend to, like, hurt his stomach, like... Every damn time. Every oh, yeah. time. And it's like, whoa, maybe this is... Maybe he really did break his ribs. Like... He was awesome. He pulled out these moves with the chairs. I mean, I know he was big on ECW, but I didn't watch that uh, at the he time. He was big on WWF too. Oh yeah, Dude, won the title. I mean, yeah, they. He. I just think he doesn't get enough shine on how good he was, and I know he's like a huge pothead, and, and he's and, still wrestling. <laughs> is he? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Where? Um, I want to say he's shown up at maybe an Impact recently. But no uh, he's still going, dude. I love. I I just think his moves were just really creative, and very refreshing. And I mean, there's a lot of you know during that time. There's a lot of flips and a lot of extreme stuff. Well, he fit that, and like he was a relatable. And those was airbrushed singlets with the Ying Lang, the Ying yeah, Yangs, and the dragons. Yeah. yeah, I'm into it, dude. Yeah, he with was the good. ponytail, kind of a beefy boy too pulling off all those moves yeah had a little meat on him yeah and you know it's funny at the time it didn't even seem like that but now you go back and compare him against some of the talent nowadays and yes yeah. his size he was not doing is awesome yeah he he had some major wind and endurance to pull off some of these moves for the amount of time they did with that body type i mean jeff hardy the dude i feel like you could mess that guy up all day and he'd still like you know, have the breath to get up to a 25 foot ladder and do a sight on bond. RVD would do the same, but he was nowhere near same body type. So that's my pick. Good pick. I like it. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Steve? It's very difficult for me to do this era because for the vast majority of this era, I did not watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. So is this, you know, just the name that popped in my head is uh, Mysterio. Like I think you know he had he had a couple he had a title run in there. I mean oh, he yeah. was always the ultimate. Even when he was the champion, he was always the underdog and the overachiever. And yeah. um, I mean, hell of a. I mean he was you know he was awesome and um, I guess that'd be the '90s. But he was awesome in his up and coming years in WCW. Right. And then um, by oh, the time God. he came to WWE, they they hot shotted him and he was. Oh. Um, 
you know, I'm sure there's better ones, but I mean, just with my limited sample size, um, I'm going to stereo. Well, yeah, those early 1996 uh, WCW matches, didn't he like join like the Latin, like he removed his mask for a little while and he there like did time, become yeah. like a heel yeah, a little like, bit. Like, where he played- your, yeah, early, maybe I think like the waning days of WCW. It was like yeah. the uh, Filthy Animals or something like that, I think. or I don't remember. But there was yeah. some faction he was part of, yeah. But other than that, you're right. I mean, the dude was always the underdog, still is, and he's still wrestling. I think he's hurt right now. But um, the, you can't say enough he's, about the guy. No, and he, I mean, yeah, he started off like 18. That's why, you know, he's not – even though he's still around, he, he's not as old as you'd think. He's like – I want to say like maybe – early mid forties, but, uh, mm. he's just been around forever. Right. Matt, do you have, uh, one left in you or we're not, we're not mentioning like the obvious one, the obvious well, baby face. Well, you mentioned, and actually, uh, yeah, my, uh, I was also, I was going to say Cena until you kind of pointed that one out as an obvious one. I mean, well, yeah, this is, this is uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin territory when he's That's going after it with Vince McMahon. Yeah, or I The mean, Rock. He was, he, no crowd popped harder for The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's We'd true. be remiss if we didn't bring him up. Even though Stone Cold is supposed to be a guy that you're supposed to hate, he was the hero we've got into it before uh, as the ultimate heels, I think, mm-hmm. when, it was, when I brought Vince McMahon, that rivalry in past episode. But he was... He was hotter than anybody. Still is kind of with his own podcast and relevant yeah, with his beer. Well, he, yeah, he makes his appearances. As big a, you know, maybe a close second to Hulk Hogan, if not more in yeah. terms of merchandise and stuff. He's on my Rushmore for yeah. sure. Yeah, he has to be. And, you know, another name that popped in my head, but I feel like he flip-flopped too much to be considered like a true decades face is Kurt Angle. Okay. But he spent as much time a heel as a face. So it's that's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's hard because if you know wrestling, you have to respect the good ones. And Kurt Angle is one of those guys. But if you're walking down the aisle yeah. or down the ramp and everybody's chanting, you suck, it's not, it, you're a heel. Like, you're like. <laughs> Although now it's loving. Exactly. It's a, it's a sign of respect. Yeah. And I mean, people still respected him, but like, you can't call him a baby face, I guess. Right. By definition. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's funny we're talking about baby faces because you guys mentioned, so you have Austin who is one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to be presented as a heel, yet everybody loves him, right? And then you have Cena who is supposedly a baby face. It's funny because these two wrestlers together are actually, I think what caused me to stop watching wrestling in the early 2000s. So what happened was Austin was a face for the longest time. And I think part of the reason for that is because you always knew where he stood. He would always never trust Vince McMahon was basically his, his mantra and he never did. So every episode of raw when stone cold would get the upper hand, it was a good ending. And then you'd always wonder, well, what's, what's he going to do next week? And that's what kept you coming oh, yeah. back. And every episode you finish watching, you're like, man, that was a good show. Um, so but then at WrestleMania 17, he made a heel turn and partnered with Vince McMahon. And I think it was at that moment, I just kind of was like, no, this doesn't. That was a bad move. 
it was a bad move. Big, it was big definitely forced. And that's what kind of opened my eyes to like, wait, this isn't right. Like I can see this is going to go downhill. So that, that was kind of the first thing that unfolded. Now, after that, you had the debut of John Cena. And I think as he started to gain popularity, like in, like in the early days when he was a rapper and stuff like that, John Cena annoyed me more oh, than yeah. any other wrestler I can remember. And at the Never same got time that him. was happening, WWE were pushing him as sort of a top guy at the same time. And he's just, he was always on TV. And I think between those two events, I just eventually was like, you know what? This is, I don't like this. I'm not watching this anymore. So it's kind of crazy though. Two of the biggest names in wrestling history, I would argue, who are both presented as baby faces are kind of the reason I stopped watching in the early 2000s. Yeah. Very true. It's, it's, you know, wrestling's delicate like that. It's, it, it can, it can bring you down. Like it can bring you up as fast as it can bring you down with the decision right. making. And that's kind of like what's happening in the WD currently. So it could be a good segue to get into my favorite baby face of two of uh, the 2010 era when NXT is rolling strong, Johnny Gargano. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Johnny wrestling is probably the ultimate baby face, kind of like what Sting was doing back in the 90s for WCW. I feel like Johnny Gargano, well, and DIY, I don't know as, I didn't see as much of those matches. I really started paying attention to him a lot closer because you guys were paying attention already. And I was like, okay, NXT, DIY. But really when I was starting to get hooked, that was the time when Ciampa turned on Johnny Gargano in Chicago and slammed his face up against the LED board. And I'm like, it's done. So now Ciampa is the ultimate heel. In fact, then making Johnny Gargano probably the ultimate baby face of our time in 2010. Yeah. I, I, I actually had Johnny Gargano on my list as well. There you go. So, so I think what made him such a great baby face, and this is true, I think, for a lot of the NXT guys between like 2015 to, I would say about 2018, pretty much before NXT was on USA Network every week. Um, so before moving to USA, NXT was sort of the developmental brand. They still kind of pitch themselves as that, but it's more turned into just like a super indie promotion at this point, yeah, I would say. It's on par with the main roster. I think they're kind of bailing that it's developmental. It's like, listen, we yeah. know what we're, we know our worth. Right. So. Totally. Totally. And, and they do have great talent, just like the main roster does. I think what made NXT fantastic before kind of taking on that main roster equivalent role. And when they were a developmental brand is you kind of saw the wrestlers, like you knew it was developmental. So you saw the wrestlers as being almost kind of like, if you were to become a professional wrestler, what would that be like? So you start watching right. the matches and you can see that they're new and the moves are a little bit sloppy, but you're kind of inside. You're kind of cheering them on. You want them to do good. And then they yeah. start better and better. And you just, you get hooked. Cause you're like, yeah, your interest would grow shows. with your interest would like grow with them. Exactly. It's like, I saw this guy before he was good and you follow yeah. them as they built their, you know, repertoire, they got better and better. They start competing for championships, things like that. So for me, Johnny Gargano was kind of like that. Like I remember watching some of his early matches and just thinking, man, 
this guy can really work. Like his matches are really tight. Like, you know, I, he doesn't really have a personality, at least at the time he really didn't. I would argue maybe even now he still doesn't to some degree, mm-hmm. but yeah. even then, like you'd start watching one of his matches and he'd win you over as the match went on. Yeah. Because he just would never say die. And yeah, I think he's another one to me that I just, I'm not, I don't buy it when they try to make him a heel because he's just too right. good as a baby face. You know, this is what he's on like his second heel stint now. And it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I stopped I'm, paying attention, honestly. It. It yeah, I stopped work. paying And then Candice LeRae is like boring as watching paint to me. So, uh, yeah. It's not clicking there. Like the dude, yeah. I mean, then they outfitted him as a superhero with his comic book, uh, like Wolverine costumes and Iron Man costumes, yeah. and, you know, like they build them as the ultimate baby face. So we bought it and he could take a thousand super, super kicks to the head and still come out on top, kick out from 30 false finishes, put on epic matches. So yeah, Johnny Gargano is my number one pick for, uh, 2010. Um, did you guys have other wrestlers then too? I have another guy, but share if you got a new one. Sure, I got one. I'm, uh, how about Daniel Bryan, the uh, oh the yeah, guy who started a revolution that was so good call. so much that Vince had to change course. It's like yeah. you know they were gonna go with Batista and then like like uh, winning the Rumble, or, or did he win the Rumble? Yeah, he won the Rumble, and then the fans just rejected it, and then. Um, um, you know, then they wound up going into where, where Daniel Bryan has two WrestleMania moments. He beat, then he beat Triple H and then win the triple threat to win the title. And yeah. um, I mean, sadly, you know, the injury thing probably would have stopped it from being even more like a long-term thing. But I mean, it's probably one of the biggest movements that we've seen from WWE over the last yep. 10 years of where they could not deny the popularity of someone. And he's still beloved. And he, he'll go to his grave beloved now. Big time. Um, and by the way, his favorite wrestler growing up, Ultimate Warrior, to your point earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Daniel Bryan for me, um, unfortunately, I wasn't watching. And I think it was 2013, 2014 uh, when WrestleMania 30 happened. So I had to actually go back and rewatch some of that year, like his victory over Randy Orton at SummerSlam was a great moment. And then immediately they took the belt away from him and put it on Orton. So you know, then you had this long-term run to WrestleMania 30, where just like Steve said, you know, he had to beat Triple H, he had to beat Batista, like this triple threat match, like two matches in one night, and he overcomes all odds. Like, what a great storyline! Um, Big time. Part of me wishes I really would have been into it at the time because I don't feel like we've had a storyline like that since. I think. For me, at least, the thing that comes closest to it would have been Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa in like the 2018 time frame. So I feel like every four or five years, WWE does something great. And I really hope, you know, it starts to become more frequent than that. If it doesn't, man, uh, call me in 2022 and I, I'd love to see what they come up with. But yeah, Daniel Bryan, yeah, unreal. Great call. Yeah. yeah. Definitely agree. I mean, as a babyface, we kind of keep mentioning it. You kind of always have to have some kind of signal that the crowd <laughs> can like relate to and do yeah. something simple and easy and straightforward. And then that's when you know you got something. And Daniel Bryan with the yes chant, yep, mm-hmm. undeniable. I have uh, I have one more. 
um, for 2010. I don't, this is a guy that I think can do no wrong. If he committed a crime, I think people would even look past it. Kenny Omega. <laughs> for everything that he's done and these seven-star matches, six-star matches, the look, the ability, the storytelling, the cooperation that he has in the ring with everyone. I mean, he's loved from along the around the world and by wrestling fans that are way, way deeper than us will say this guy is probably the ultimate wrestler. Is he not? Yeah, I there's a lot of other podcasts out there that just will rave about Kenny Omega. And I, I don't think I've heard anyone um, say anything different about him. It's interesting. And I've tried to figure out what it is specifically about him that makes his matches so good. And especially for like critics to really rave about them. Um, I, so for those of you who haven't seen his matches, every Kenny Omega match ever is at least good. Like I've never seen a bad Kenny Omega match ever. Um, he, his style is very explosive. So I think that's part of what makes him stand out from everybody else and makes all his matches really exciting is, you know, if he's whipping someone into the ropes or he himself is running the ropes, he goes as fast as he can, but he can stop a dime. Like the first step, like the first step of everything he does is just so dramatic and like, just like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, that unique movement. It is. That's a great point. He'll, he'll really, it's almost like he's telegraphing what he's going to do to some degree, but at the same time, it's just, it adds so much to it. Like so much theater does seems like it has meaning. And I think that's what makes him great. And what makes a lot of people really get into him. Right. Totally. Yeah. He, he is, uh, I mean, like I said, he's got the look, he's got the ability, the body type, the gimmick, the intro, the legacy that he's built in New Japan, carrying it over to AEW. I really think they haven't used him to his full full potential, but I think he's okay with that while they build other stars because he's so over with the wrestling community. We're only going to see greater things from him. I can't wait till when we actually do, but I think those days are coming for sure. For sure. I I actually got into New Japan um, a couple of years ago. I actually subscribed Mm -hmm. to it for about a year. And it's kind of nice because they don't have a lot of shows kind of like, you know, you don't have to watch a weekly show. It's basically once a month, you might get, you know, like a pay-per-view equivalent show. Um, Now the downside of that is the shows are really long. Like they can be four hours long. Yeah. And when you're watching, you know, a group of wrestlers who you don't really know, and you know, there's a language barrier. um, It's kind of hard to get into, but at the time Kenny Omega was in new Japan, it, it was easy to get into because the, the rest of the roster was great. You had the bullet club, some of Kenny Omega's friends, the young bucks were also there just a lot of great matches. In addition to Kenny Omega. Um, then eight, when AEW came along, it was great because the best of the best all went there. So it's really easy to follow it now, especially being on American television with English commentary, right. you know, as standard. Um, but yeah, Kenny Omega definitely helped elevate new Japan, even to the point where someone like me, who's, a big wrestling fan, but not, you know, like a diehard trivia know-it-all, um, you know, knew enough to watch that and actually watched it. I think this was a, a good one here, boys. We covered a lot of great names, covered a lot of great moments in wrestling uh, by covering some of our favorite baby faces through the decades. If anybody else has anything to add, is do you think that's it? I mean, I think Greg the Hammer Valentine could have been the top face <laughs> in the business if that's the direction he wanted to go. 
Definitely the best looking. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this was a fun one, guys. Really loved uh, uh, talking over uh, some great moments in wrestling and can't wait for the next one. As yeah, always. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to Keep the Kayfabe. We'll be coming at you again next week. Peace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to know the story, but a place you don't want to be at. They say no one to be home, it's always misery. We knew when we got here, they tried to put us away. But when they see us walk down the street, they ran the other way.